Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller, where I get the privilege of serving as your host each week, interviewing business leaders, thought leaders, best-selling authors, people from all walks of life that have something to contribute around the topic of leadership. And today, I'm delighted to be featuring an author that many of you know as a household name. His books have crossed all genres. He's really perfected, I think, in many ways, the process of collaboration, of working with people from different points of view and background. It's a great leadership skill that all of us can actually learn from. You know me also as the host of, or the author of these books, Master Mentors, where each year I'm privileged through HarperCollins to write a book that water skis across 30 of the transformational insights that our guests have shared. Today's guest is James Patterson. He has written um, literally hundreds of books that have sold upwards of a half billion copies, including his newest release called Countdown, where the tagline is, she has five days to save the world. It's a thriller. James Patterson, welcome to On Leadership. Hi. Yeah, poor Amy. She's got a tough gig there, saving the world. That's that's a that's 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 a that's a tough one. My my notion on Amy right now is that uh, a news break. Amy Amy, I was reading uh, rereading the book, and and I can't believe what what the poor woman goes through. And 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 but my my new news break is Amy, Amy Cornwell is the new James Bond. So uh, you know, not as in Idris Elba, Amy Amy Cornwell in the book. Well, we look forward to reading it. Countdown is uh, releasing soon. And James, it's an honor to talk with you today. Looking forward to, to delving into Countdown. James, I know that people are interested, whether it's interesting to you, it's probably interesting to many to understand the prolific nature of your authoring and co-authoring. Do you have any idea how many books have been consumed in terms of purchase, how many books you've co-authored? It's probably an interesting well, we fact. Have, we, got, we got that half a billion sold around the world, which I think is, that's, that's pretty accurate. And then uh, an incredible number in terms of library. Uh, I, I think I'm the biggest library author. And so it, we've, we've gotten a lot of books out there to a lot of people. And, 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 and the range goes from adult books to kids' books to uh, fiction and then, and then some nonfiction, which I'm, I'm actually very proud of the nonfiction. I'll have to tell you, my, I have three sons, 8, 10, and 12, and my oldest son, Thatcher, named after my hero, Margaret Thatcher, has read every one of your children's books. He looks forward to them coming out. So I appreciate the contribution you've made in helping to ignite the passion for reading in American youth. My son benefits yeah. greatly from your work. Yeah, I think it's always useful if you can, if you can combine... Uh, uh, doing the right thing and 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 inconceivably, uh, you know, making a little bit of profit. Uh, that, that I think I, McDonald's did that with McDonald, Ronald McDonald House. I just thought that was terrific. It was good for McDonald's and good for good for the country. So, um, and the kids' books, I I I really like doing them, and and I think it is. It obviously it's very good to get kids reading. James, given the prolific nature of your output. How do you continue to keep your creativity fresh and invigorated? I know that you know people that are in marketing or sales that are constantly trying to be relevant. Yeah. What, what's your yeah. what's your key or process there? Well, I, I don't work for a living. I think that's a nice thing if if you can figure it out. I, I play for a living. Um, somebody said you're lucky if you find something you like to do, and then it's a miracle if somebody will pay you to do it, and and that's what's happened with me. I, I love to write. I love to tell stories and. One of the things during COVID, I actually wrote an autobiography, a memoir, and I hadn't been planning to do it, but I started writing the stories down and I was really enjoying it. 
And and one of the things about the memoir, and it, it was a number one bestseller, which, you know, I, I always could, I thought the marketing problem was why would anybody want to read a, 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 a book about me? And and the reality of it, it actually is it's it's pretty interesting because it's just story after story after story. But 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 find, figuring out the marketing problem is a key thing, and and then and then how do you solve it? Uh, and and that's that's just crucial. But the the great thing about writing that book is I really started concentrating even more more than ever on my writing. I was turned on by doing it. And, and, and sentence by sentence, sentences became very important to me with that book. And that's carried over into this year. So I think I'm a better writer at my age uh, than, I, than, I, than I have been at any, at any time during my life. I might just be kidding myself, but I think that's accurate. James, is there anything replicable that you do in terms of your insatiable curiosity or what you read or watch or anything you do that inspires your creativity that others might learn from? I don't know that, I think creativity, it's either there or it isn't. And, uh, you know, it's a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't have to, I mean, you don't have a leader, you don't have to be creative, uh, but I think you have to have creativity on your team uh, and you have to listen to it and respect it and be, op be really open-minded about it. I mean, one of the tricks with, I mean, people have these, these um, ideation sessions and, um, you know, I was in advertising. I was the CEO of J. Walter Thompson when I was younger. And uh, uh, in that business, you you learn that it's not it's not one ideation session; it's several. And um, sometimes what will happen is uh, something that was said in the in the second session, which seemed silly at the time, but it opened up a path of thought that wouldn't have happened had, if that person hadn't said that thing, which was kind of off the wall. And 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 it, we, we just would have never had the idea. So for me, it's it's I'll just write down lines or things that I see or I mean I could I could write a book about about this session if I if I needed to. I do have the big imagination and that's really my strength. And um, you know, my my I, a lot of times biggest strength is biggest weakness. And and my strength uh, as a novelist is um, uh, when I'm writing, I pretend there's somebody sitting across from me. I don't want them to get up till I'm finished. And, and that's the strength and that's the weakness. The strength is uh, uh, you, you just keep reading the books. The weakness is that sometimes I don't go as deep as I should. And I think understanding, that's an important thing, I think, for people to be very honest about what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. <clears throat> and some people, they're not creative. And that's just the deal. It just That's just not their strength. Uh, but they can be extremely organized or it can be great at getting people uh, motivated. There can be other strengths that, that people have that are, that are, you know, equally or even more important than creativity. Depends on your business. Sometimes creativity isn't that important. If it's established business and you've been doing the same thing for, for, for centuries, sometimes the creativity isn't as important. I think especially in high trust businesses, finance and things like that, where you don't want creativity to hold. in the banking business, maybe not, but sometimes it is in terms of deal making. Yeah. And and uh, you know, actually, our son is with Barclays, and 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 what he's doing, it does require creativity. Yeah. So uh, it, sometimes it, it, it is it is very useful. Well said. Let's talk about the skill of collaboration because I do think it's a skill. It's a yeah. It's a skill set and a mindset. Not all of yeah. your books have you co-authored. Many books you've authored on your own. Do you yeah. have a different process or a different preparation style? Well, the process is totally different because I don't write the, I, you know, I, I, I uh, the way collaboration works, well, for, for starters, some people, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. They just can't, 
they can't understand how you could write novels, how you could collaborate on novels. And what they don't understand is that virtually every television show they watch, not all, but most, are collaborations. It tends to be a team and they'll sit in a room and they will go back and forth on ideas and scenes and whatever. And a lot of times for TV shows, they'll have a writer's room and there might be anywhere from six to 10 writers in there and they collaborate. Uh, uh, you know, uh, even the comedy sh shows tend to have uh, writer's rooms. Um, um, and, and collaboration, you know, honestly, if we're going to save the planet at some point, it's going to be because we collaborate. Um, the vaccine, whatever you might think of it, uh, that was a collaboration. And I think a useful collaboration, whether everybody should have it or not, I think is open for discussion now. But, but that was a useful collaboration. And one of the things about that collaboration, you know, the, 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 the Sistine Chapel, uh, that was a collaboration. There were, there were a dozen very good painters up there painting that thing. So collaboration is a terrific thing. And, and, and one of the secrets to collaboration is you have to be open. You have to be open-minded. You got you to listen. You can't, I found, and I, I don't want to be sexist about this, but I found women to be better collaborators when I was in advertising. They would listen more. Uh, men would tend to come in and go, I've got it, I got it, I got it. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't, they wouldn't open up their brains and listen. And, and, and listening is, is really, I did a book with a Swedish author, Lisa Markland, and I went over to, uh, uh, to, to Stockholm. And it's interesting over there because in the States, if you write a book, you're lucky if you can get one or two newspapers to, to, to cover it. We had 46 interviews uh, over in Stockholm. And they were always they were really really curious about how a Swede and an American could ever could ever could collaborate, and what we said was one it started with mutual respect we knew each other's novels and we respected one another's writing, and then the most important thing is we listened, and one of the problems that I found in Hollywood is they're less likely to listen, um, the egos are bigger. Uh, I think for some, sometimes it's just self-protection because there's just so many people that get involved in the process. But listening is, I think, huge with collaboration. It's just, it's just a massive, massively important. James, I'm gonna ask you to take that one step further because I want okay, you to- Okay, I'm going one I, step farther. I want you to speak to the millions of, list, the millions of leaders that are, le that are listening right now. I'm guessing it's somewhat daunting for most co-authors to collaborate with you, given your stature and your success. Is there anything you do to check your ego, to make it safe for your collaborator to speak their mind, to share ideas that you might think, they might think you dismiss? Because a lot of people at the sea level, just by the yeah. nature of their, of their stature, they have a fairly yeah. big shadow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, it just hasn't been, for the most part, a problem for me. I, you know, I come, I'm sort of down to earth. I, you know, my approach to the world, I'm very lucky. I consider it a blessing. I grew up in a small town uh, uh, in upstate New York on the river, and uh, I still see the world through the eyes of, of a kid from Newburgh, New York. And I think that's really important. Um, I deal with, with some very wealthy people. I'm friendly with Steve Schwartzman, the head of Blackstone. Uh, and he's similar in terms of background. He kind of came, he didn't, ha didn't have a lot living outside of Philadelphia. And we both sort of come from that point of view. And I think that's useful. I try not to be intimidating. I don't think I, I mean, you listen to me. I don't think I'm intimidating. I wanna hear other people. I really wanna hear their ideas. And, and, and it's really important that you don't sit there and, and be judgy. 
when when they're that that's sort of can be really off-putting and stop the whole process. Um, um, and, and the collaborations have been all over the, the park. There have been some first time or people who have never write, written a novel who, for whatever reason, I thought would, would be good collaborations. There have been a couple of, of big egos that I've worked with. There have been some important people like, you know, I've, I've did, written two books with President Clinton and he's a good collaborator. In theory, I should have been intimidated by him uh, and I wasn't. And, and, and also he wasn't intimidated by the fact that he hadn't written any novels. Uh, Dolly Parton I've written with, and once again, that was just a delightful, and continues to be a delightful collaboration because we're, we're involved with, with making the movie now of Run, Rose, Run. Um, I, I just think a lot of it is, is just human. And you know, if people are good leaders, uh, they, they figured out some of that stuff. And if they're not as good sometimes, I mean, you know, I don't know what the, you know, the keys of leadership, there's so many different areas. Clarity, I, I, I think is huge being so clear with people about what's expected of them, you know, and some of the, uh, uh, not to get into athletics so much, but, you know, Bill Belichick was a master, is a master at that in terms of here's what we expect of you tight end. Here's what you expect of you, uh, you know, middle line, you know, a a defensive uh, backfield guy. Here's exactly what we expect. Here's what your job is. Just do your job. Uh, and I think that's useful. I think mission statements are hugely important. And, and sometimes, especially I find universities are terrible with mission statements. They want to put everybody's idea into the mission statement. And that's, what a, that's not what a mission statement is. A mission statement is somehow getting to that line or two. When I was with J. Walter Thompson, this wasn't our mission statement, but Thompson was, was uh, uh, you know, one of the pioneers of advertising and marketing. And then they, they, in the States anyway, got a reputation for being kind of stodgy. And, and what we uh, would, would come with people, especially I was a young Turk when I was running the place. And, and we would say the power of the old, the shock of the new. And we had all of the things, all of the things Thompson had invented, and they were brilliant in media buying in certain areas. And then we shocked people because we were young and inventive and and, and, and we were a little shocking. And that was a good thing because people weren't expecting that from Thompson. It was a good combination that very creative and also uh, a very experienced. Uh, uh, you know, a sense of fairness, I think, is useful. Uh, that people don't, they, they want to they feel that, that their boss is, uh, is, is, is on their side within reason. Uh, moral compass, I think, is useful. Uh, some companies don't seem to use that, but I, I think it's I think it's it's incredibly consistency. I think is important. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you're a parent or you're or or, 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 or you're a corporate head of a head of a corporation or a university, that they're consistent. Yeah, they're consistent, uh, and, and and they're clear, clear clarity. You know, communication skills hugely important. James, I'm going to guess that one of your strengths is a combination of focus, discipline, perseverance. It's not possible for you to have churned out the volume of contribution without some of that. To the extent that's true, check your humility for a moment. Let me know, your hubris rather. Tell me, are there some skills or, or strategies or processes that you've put in place in your life that other people might benefit from knowing in terms of how you organize your day, how you organize your surroundings, what do you do? Yeah, to, I don't to- know. I mean, everybody's different. One of the things that I'll always suggest to people, I remember when uh, the man who was my editor and then he became the head of, of, of Little Brown and now he's the head of Hachette. And one of the things I said to Michael, as I said, consider this, 
you know, every morning you have this list of things to do on your desk, all the things that you want to accomplish, all the things that you think are, are, are you just not got to do. And the first thing you should do is take that list and cross off at least half the things on it because they're not that important. Uh, you know, when I was in advertising for a while, uh, I had on my door a little sign that said, what's the big idea? Because in that business, when I was with Jay Walter, these companies that were coming to us, the IBMs and Kodaks and, and Warner Lamberts and, and uh, uh, AT&T, et cetera, they were paying us for big ideas. And, and it's just as difficult to, to a lot of times, and it's just, it takes as much time to execute a small idea, and it's just not useful. But that's not what they were coming to us for. It was for big, big ideas in terms of marketing. Uh, uh, you know, what's going to really move our business? What's an important thing to do? Uh, and, and separating out, and, and I think a lot of times, uh, and one of the things I'll talk about at Little Brown is, I mean, they'll have, well, here are 100 things we want to do. No. <laughs> How about two? How about two, two things that we want to do or three? Or some companies say they, they have to execute 100 things, but uh, uh, sometimes it's important to really cut that down, cut that the 100 down to 10 somehow and, and execute the heck out of, the, out, of, out of that 10. Let's talk about instinct. I've heard yeah. your instinct referred to as the golden gut. How do you balance yeah. your track record of remarkable success? I'm sure you've had some setbacks. How do you no. balance, no, ha, never. How do you balance your uh, quote golden gut with recognizing that you might be off on your instinct or you need to listen to someone else? Yeah. What's that balance? Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to have people in the company or around you who can, who can say no. Not, not, not that they're not, they can't say no in terms of stopping it, but they can say, I think you're going the wrong way with this. Uh, you know, at Thompson and still, I have a couple of people around me. I'm not going to use a vulgar term, but something in your hat. Uh, who, who can tell me that I have something I wouldn't want to have in my hat in my hat. And, and that's really, really, really important. It was important to me in advertising. It was impo it's important to me in the book business. Uh, my, my editor, the guy who now runs the chat, he's been good at that. We go around and around with it still. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the New York Times bestseller list is, uh, is not accurate. And uh, we just had a book, uh, uh, Walk the Blue Line. It's, a, I think, a very valuable book about police. It's not pro-cop. It's not negative cop. It's just cop. I think it just tells the truth about cops. And um, uh, the first week it was out, it was not on the list, the Times bestseller list. And we knew, because we knew all the sales, we knew it should have been number two or number three. And we also knew that it was outselling the bottom half of that list by like six, seven, eight to one. Um, and then, and then how you deal with the New York Times is, is an interesting problem. And I wanted to be a little bit more aggressive and Michael was a little calmer about it. And we've evolved to something which um, hopefully will get the message across to the New York Times in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good way, uh, useful way. And they will, they will fix something that uh, I think is broken. It's not a big deal because the, the New York Times bestseller list isn't important. But, but if you have a newspaper that's, that's that important in the world, you, you ought to get things right. And if you're getting things you know, really wrong in certain areas, it sort of reflects on, it reflects sure. on the front page. Sure. Are you getting stuff right on the front page? Right. I mean, I know a lot of people listening are not big fans of the New York Times, uh, but whatever it is that you're doing, uh, uh, you know, to be honest with yourself when you're making mistakes, and I do, I absolutely do make mistakes. And, uh, 
Uh, but I, I actually I don't make too many mistakes, partly because I always I do have people around me, including my wife, who will say, think about that, double think that one. And, and I think that's and, and sometimes you, you, you go against the advice, but you really want to hear it and you really want to listen to it. James, I want you to reteach a vital lesson around perseverance. We have been privileged to have interviewed some of the biggest authors in the world on this podcast, thought leaders. What they often have in common, almost without exception, is their first book was usually the result of numerous rejections by publishers. I mean, I could tell you countless stories. Yeah, of, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 yeah, yeah. No, times. John Grisham's, John Grisham's first uh, uh, A Time to Kill was turned down by every major publisher. And I think it was published by a small company in New Jersey. And, and he will say, and I agree with him, it's one of his best books. So I'll be just as one example. My first book, the Thomas Behrman number, was turned down by 31 publishers. Uh, it then went on to win an Edgar as the best first mystery of the year. So go figure that one out. Here's a book that's, you know, there was a Pulitzer Prize winner a couple of years ago and um, uh, there was a big story in the Times about how uh, it almost didn't get published. And, and that was the, the, the Pulitzer Prize winning novel. This is two or three years ago. I, don't, I can't remember the name of it. But yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, people make mistakes uh, 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 in, in, well, in a lot of fields. But, but you, 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 that resilience is, is just hugely important. James, our time is coming to a close here. I want to revisit something you said earlier, and that's the value of clarity. I think it was Brene Brown, the influential thought leader and author, that talked about how clear is kind. You know, confusion yeah. is unkind. How do you balance the indisputable value of being super clear on expectations, contributions, so there aren't mismatched expectations, while still being... Uh, a, a kind, likable person that people- I don't think there's anything unkind about clarity. There's no reason that, should, that that should be unkind. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that we should be scowly like Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, some, some people are very, incredibly clear about stuff, but they're, they're beloved as well. There's no, you don't have to be beloved when you run a company, but it's not the worst thing in the world that there is some of that. I remember, um, trying to remember the guy's name who ran Hallmark. Um, and, 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 and when he died, um, the newspaper out there in Kansas city, uh, I'll, I'm forgetting the story, darn it, <laughs> but it was a good one in terms of, 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 of being a good leader and also being, um, people really respecting, I guess respect is, is the most important thing. Uh, a beloved is nice too, but, but, but respect I think is, is really, really useful. James, do you think about your legacy, your contribution? No. What you hope is I'll be dead. I don't care. All. Don't care. <laughs> no, that's never been a big deal with me. I I, I think about today and, and what I'm doing today and and, and tomorrow, and uh, I don't think about yesterday too much either. You uh, tend to live your life in the moment, in the day you're in. Pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, my I'm I'm a huge family person. I'm I I'm I love my wife. We. One of the things about Sue and I is uh, we go to sleep every night holding hands. And, and I think that's, that's a, we're, we're lucky, we're lucky. James Patterson, you're a class act. Your time is very valuable. I appreciate you taking Thank the 30 you. minutes to invest in our listeners and viewers. Thanks okay, for joining yeah, our hope podcast. I hope it helps a little bit. Thank great, you. Great conversation. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. <laughs>